1958, John C. Koss invented the world's first SP3 stereophone here in Milwaukee and forever changed the way we all listen to music. Koss Corporation is proud to support the Experience Milwaukee podcast and its listeners with the world's greatest headphones. Uh, hey, Adam. Oh, Steve. Welcome back. It's a great day. Yeah, welcome back to the Experience Monkey Podcast. You're you're back for another one. I I decided to come back for one more. We take it week by week, you know, no pressure. <laughs> um, you know, I'm uh, I read an article. No, I didn't read it. I'm I'm lying. I saw a headline. On, there it is on LinkedIn. About okay. uh, one of our sponsors, Few Spirits, uh, around innovation in the whiskey category with their Ooh. cold cut whiskey. That's it's, the cold brew whiskey, it's right? It's cut with cold brew coffee. And, you know, Paul Haletko over there is an innovator, and he uh, got some credit in this article. I believe. I haven't read it, like I said. I just read the headline. Right. You but, just assume that he got credit. Probably I just assume. In there. Yeah, but yeah. here's the thing: we, I, I can't find that stuff anywhere. Yeah, pretty exclusive, huh? I, I can find, you know, the bourbon. I can find the rye. Can't find this stuff. So I'm, I'm on a right. hunt. And I, well, I'll help you with that. I'm trying. I'm trying not to call in a favor from Paul. Okay. You know, I like to use those when I really need them. You know. Right. Right. So uh, so we'll see. But yeah, so check that out, uh, listeners, uh, if you want to get try something new and fresh and delicious from our sponsor, Few. Um, Adam, who, you know, we love our sponsors. We do. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention uh, the other sponsors that have so graciously helped us along in our journey, our podcast journey, if you will. Transfer Pizzeria and Cafe. Delicious pizza, delicious mm-hmm. beer, and and costs. Oh, oh, are you going to go now too? I no, I just I just thought of something, Adam. I I oh. believe there could still be some podcast taste packs available at Transfer Pizzeria Cafe. You have to, excellent. Yeah, if you go online, you can you can order online, uh, or you can call and just ask for one. But it is uh, it includes some Black Friday release only beers in the taste pack. So check that out. Excellent. And you were That's saying? A, that was a really good call. Yeah. Uh, cost stereophones, which Steve weirdly calls headphones. I just call uh, We're headphones. wearing those right now. I assume you're wearing yours. <laughs> yeah, I uh, slept in them. As I am uh, every day. <laughs> just last night. <laughs> and the beer, Indeed Brewing. Yes, love those guys. They had a great, great Milwaukee Honey Black Friday release. That was, uh, that was tremendous. Did they... Ever and it's and a monster. Thank you, special thank you to them because they were able to snag us one to try. Yeah, and talk about on a previous episode. Yeah, so go back and look check it out. It. Stop because right now, go no, back, listen to it. Stop. To go listen to that one, then come back here, or just listen yes. to this one, then go back there. Whatever you want to do, it's up to you. It really is up to you. You are the king of your streaming kingdom. And you know, Adam, it's been when you say streaming kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's been one of those years where there's been a lot of streaming. Yes. I mean, 
where we shifted to do the podcast in a more virtual format. All of work went to Zoom or Google Meet. Mm-hmm. And you know where that can be most challenging is in education. Yes. And I'm sadly, yes. Yes. And, and to, to be sure that the kids have the access and the tools in this, uh, in this wild year. Um, and I think we're going to learn a bit about that because you know who we've got on the show. Uh, I don't want to spoil it for everybody, but it's Wendell. Wendell from the MPS Foundation. Wendell, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. How about you? We're fantastic. We're fantastic. Yeah. I, I mean, I am. I Adam sometimes is mildly so, but <laughs> we don't judge. Yeah, you know me. I'm always in a downer mood. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Adam's my sunshine. Adam is my yep my inspiration. I'm putting that on a. I'm putting that on a greeting card. Yeah, yeah. Adam's my sunshine. <laughs> it's true. Uh, so Wendell, this is awesome to have you here. Um, we, we're so appreciative of you taking this time to share what's going on and how this all works and what's you know what are the pressing um, opportunities in our community and what you're doing about it. Uh, so uh, I think let's we'll take a step back and and first. You know, just as we always do, we go on this journey. We pretend the audience has never heard of you. They've certainly never heard of Adam or me. Um, but we right. just we we pretend um, and and just get the high level backstory of your journey here and and what you're doing today, and just set some context for the audience. So, uh, what is what is what are you doing? Yeah. So today <laughs> I'm serving as the head of the Milwaukee Public Schools Foundation. But as I've told many people, and your listeners will. And I appreciate you guys having us on to talk about this, but uh, it's one of the things we talk about with our students, being prepared for your future. So I don't think I had in my mind that I would ever be uh, the head of the foundation of a district that I went to school in. So born and raised here in Milwaukee, went to Rufus King High School, went to Northwestern University, go Cats, <laughs> and then uh, made my way back here to Milwaukee. But I was a serial sector hopper and... Um, you know, I had a lot of mentors that kind of said, you know, you have to really prepare your career because you don't know where you're going to go, what path you might take, but be willing to, you know, think about where it is you see yourself, but also where you think you might want to make a difference, whether it's private industry, uh, nonprofit, governmental, et cetera. So, you know, as the serial sector hopper that I was, uh, I started my career in employee benefits and, you know, God bless my brothers and sisters that stayed there, but you know, for me, it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. So I had taken enough mentors in my life where they said, you know, you need to think about maybe you have a different type of calling. And I went into the nonprofit sector. So first at a small community center on the north side of Milwaukee, uh, as, as chance would take it, I moved into uh, a community development financial institution. So essentially a nonprofit lending entity. And we were in 22 states and 55 sites. So wow. I got to, yeah, I got to supervise all the activity. And essentially we were doing car loans for families in need, which is pretty cool um, because I got to go to 20 states most of the year, uh, a lot of planes, but most importantly, I got to help other uh, nonprofit companies work with their clients and get them out of poverty. So that was pretty cool to see. Uh, we were able to kind of actually get on the Today Show 
getting USA Today. So we had a lot of nice publicity going. And then I left there to join the district uh, under the prior superintendent, Dr. Driver, mm-hmm. um, to become her chief operating officer back in 2015. So it just happened to be simultaneously as I came into the district, Dr. Driver happened to meet a couple of business people that were, some were alums, some weren't, but they're all concerned individuals that just said, look, we think you need a different type of fundraising arm within your district to function kind of like a PTO group does within a school. And your schools can still have that, but you know, they're going to do bake sales and small scale things. Right. You really need something a little bit more large scale. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of headed up by some significant uh, community members, but also alums and then well-wishers of students. They just said, you know, you've got this thing internally called an NPS foundation, but it's not really a true separate 501c3. So they helped her reboot this whole thing, take it out from under the district wings and become a true independent entity, hired the first executive director. So, you know, just by chance and by proximity, my role as chief operating officer, I would support a little bit of that work happening. And then when she left, I moved over into this role and heading it up because the prior person had ended up retiring. So it's kind of serendipitous. I would have never expected one to become the COO of the district. And so that was an interesting full circle to come back into seeing, you know, when I was at Rufus King, why does the district do the things they do? And then trying to understand or change those things that were happening as COO. And then on the other side now, fundraising for the needs of our students. So, you know, it's just, it's a very interesting uh, kind of arc of a career to get to where I am now. It's, it's interesting how, uh, like you said, you don't know where you're going to end up and, uh, this is uh this community is well connected overall and and uh small small large feel uh in this city and it's always interesting to hear those Mm -hmm. kinds of stories about how it all happens and works out absolutely you know it's it's as they say everybody says small walkie Mm -hmm. and but you know and and but you got to do the work to get to know people right Mm -hmm. You, you can't just Sometimes you bump into the right person, but otherwise you end up finding out that one domino hits another and hits another. Yeah. So, Wendell, uh, what does a what does a day in the life of an executive director of the MPS Foundation look like? Other than obviously taking awesome time out of your day to uh, <laughs> podcast with us, <laughs> there's there's two highlights: being able to spread the word, like what we're doing, like this but also see the fruits of our labor come to fruition. So, you know, there, there is definitely, a lot of people may not think there'd be overlap with what I did as chief operating officer, but, you know, I would, I would say I was less focused on the operational needs, more focused on how the operations could enhance at academics. Mm-hmm. And so kind of having that vision, moving it into what I do now, I think the difference is, right, my, my primary focus is on fundraising for district needs and initiatives that the schools have. So really, um, you know, we're, and tell people we're agnostic, you know, we're not worried about or focused on, you know, when people say, well, you know, the NPS school board or the change in administration or, you know, choice charter public, we're just here to say we're here to help NPS kids make sure they have an even footing. So that, you know, they're not behind Mequon, Fiendsville, New Berlin, anybody else. We want them to be just equal with the same opportunities they've got. So for me, you know, no two days are ever the same. You know, I could definitely say that happened when we began pandemic. But um, 
you know, really it, it's, there are some days where it's like eating an elephant and drinking from a fire hose simultaneously. <laughs> oh boy, so the yeah. question is, right. Yeah. yeah. You know, which, which do you pick off first? That's the most important. And, you know, usually in some manner, it ends up being a networking type of situation that gets you to either a project or a program partner or a potential funder or somebody can lead you to another funder. So, you know, and really a lot of it's daydreaming, right? What could be great for our students, but that, you know, we, we've, we've started a small kernel of something and it's happening, but now how do we balloon it from one school to all 158 schools? Or how do we go from, you know, 10,000 students that we're serving with this program to all 70,000 students? And when, do, where does it make sense? So, you know, I'll, I'll give you a preview of coming attractions and, and hopefully next fall we can come back and talk about this. But, um, you know, because I just happen to be coaching youth soccer in my background, uh, one of my good friends from that world is the head coach at MSOE. And we both had ties with uh, their former head coach who recently passed away, Jimmy Banks. And so we've just started to, you know, try to formulate something that could both honor him but be great for both MSOE student athletes and for NPS kids. Mm -hmm. And we've had a number of kind of projects and programs with the STEM groups over there. And they've got a new STEM center. Yep. The, their athletic field is right above the STEM center. So how great could this be to put a program together with these guys? And we're, you know, just in the beginning process of putting together like a Jimmy Banks scholars program where MSOE student athletes will, will mentor and tutor NPS kids after school. So Oh, you know, it's excellent. got, um, it, you know, this started with just the soccer team and all of a sudden the entire athletics team. So we all want in for all athletes. So this could be a big thing once we've got real meat on the bones. Yeah. And uh, so that excites me uh, as uh, an MPS and MSOE alum. You know, things like that that we're doing that are really the highlight of kind of. So there's obviously there's the mundane stuff that's the day in the life. Right. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. when you have like those types of meetings, you know, it's that. Or, you know, another good example is we've got, um, you know, a 104-year-old donor, uh, Joan Robertson, whose uh, mother was involved in both women's suffrage movement and then uh, was very inspired by United Nations and the UN delegation from Wisconsin. So she's lived through it all. So, you know, we can have conversations with her about 1917 or 1918 in the Spanish flu. But uh, as I've gotten to know her, you know, we're talking about the need for kind of cultural competency of our students, right? And making sure that our students actually, you know, why is the UN important? Probably needed more now than ever. Why are things like, you know, negotiating skills important and diplomacy? You know, you can't, when you get angry at somebody in the classroom, just go off and hit them. Right. You've got to actually talk through it. And so, you know, it, it, you know, kind of understanding like why these things are important and trying to get our students to understand, you know, these are skills, by the way, that are going to lead you to future success in life. So taking a United Nations a model UN curriculum from that eighth grade and high school level and distilling it down to second grade through eighth grade. And it's it's a program that's ballooned over the years from a few thousand students to now 12,000 students are participating and trying to, you know, a good problem to solve. Now we have more schools that want into it. And we've got to figure out a way to bring this in because there's not enough staff at the district to support right. the good work. But, you know, it's, it was really depressing. Uh, so now you're almost a year in pandemic where, you know, last March we had to cancel the, the fair that we do for United Nations World Day. And that would have been a culmination of all the students coming to Panther Arena 
and presenting their projects. Oh man. Oh, bummer. Yeah. But, you know, the good news is that we're planning a virtual version of it this year and hopefully uh, we can be back at Panther Arena next year to do this again. So does your work weave in and out of not just, um, you know, when you think of a typical foundation, uh, it's, it's highly involved in fundraising for initiatives, but is it also half or some portion of driving innovation in the district? You know, it really is. We're trying to uh, work with, you know, so obviously we talk with students that are in the programs that we sponsor. So, you know, most of the audience is not aware of what we do. So just from a bird's eye view, you know, we've got a scholarship program that private donors put, you know, put money forth for kids to go to, students to go to post-secondary education. Um, you know, field trips were eliminated by many of our schools because they just didn't have the budgetary dollars for it. So we sponsor a dedicated field trip at every grade. So for instance, third graders all go to the public museum. Fourth graders all go to Discovery World and it's attached to a specific set of curriculum. Um, so we've got the learning journeys in that in that vein in helping augment that education. So every one of the programs, the United Nations program, everything we do, we try to get a feedback loop, both mm -hmm. from the student perspective, teacher perspective, and district office. Um, a number of STEM and college and career programs that we've pushed throughout the years. Uh, one of the biggest ones being college readiness and workforce development has kind of been a key and will be probably the biggest area that we go into the future. But every time we do that feedback loop and with also our outside partner, we try to talk about how could we enhance that, that piece and how can we drive the innovation? So, um, you know, it, it helped significantly having both the relationships and the working, uh, you know, day-to-day -day work environment of being with the district staff, because I could know who to go to on this side and say, hey, we've got a funder talking about this. We've got a partner talking about this. Is that something you'd like to see? Mm -hmm. Or on their end, when I meet with them saying, you know, if you're really trying to augment student achievement, what are like the top three or four things you need? Like, obviously they may need, lead to money, but what does that money give you that's transformational? So, right. you know, many times they would say something like, we need this piece of classroom equipment, or, you know, we need somebody to come into our room, whether it be virtually or whether it be in person, we need somebody to tell the student what's happening. So, you know, a great example of that, two examples, very similar from a workforce perspective, uh, you know, Julia Taylor at the Greater Milwaukee Committee has really kind of repurposed and put together the Bradley Tech Trade Commission. So think of it as a small board helping that principal focus on that job attachment, either immediately from high school, if you want, or going to college, but it's very structured into what you're going to do. And so people that are in the trades or in any industry can go into that building and it's very dedicated to say, if you're going to go in construction, here are all the areas of construction. Here's what you need to think about. And let's get some hands-on experience during the day. Because, you know, we were all in these classrooms that were essentially lecture style, right? Somebody's mm -hmm. at the front of the classroom telling us what to do. Now, hey, we all made it through. But is that the best way to do it? You know, you talk to the scholars, people at Harvard have think tanks around this, the Aspen Institute, Council of Great City Schools, there's a number of people around the country and around the world saying that's really the last resort. We really want you to get to like, you know, 
10 to 15 minutes of a large group lecture, unless there's like a seminar type style that you're going to engage everybody. Otherwise, we'd much more prefer you be in small groups, but the peers teach each other, have some digital and technology enhancements with your instruction. So, you know, many people don't know that the, the classroom of tomorrow should really look like the Apple store, right? You go in mm -hmm. and they all don't talk to you at all and they make you touch things and just play while you wait. Yeah, right? You're learning on your own. And yeah. then, you know, so Steve, Adam and Wendell will now have to, you know, we have to wait for our appointment or whatever, but we wait in these middle tables and we pretend like we don't know each other. We don't want to look at what each other is doing on our phones, but we do peer over and you see what I'm doing. I see what you're doing. And maybe we teach each other something that's peer to peer. And then we leave, so maybe we can get our thing and issues solved right then and there, and we can leave the store. Or we have to go to the Genius Bar, which is that one-on-one -on -one teacher classroom instruction. And that's kind of what it should look like. And so the question is, how do we start modifying large systems like an NPS with 5,000 teachers into that methodology? So, you know, some of our students in schools and teachers are very versed in it because they're on the earliest end, right? And they're beginning their careers where some universities have moved to that way of teaching, but not all have, right? That's that's a hard thing to get a university to change its entire yeah. methodology. At the same time, we do happen to have, you know, some Montessori schools. So we've, we've got the largest district in the country with the largest number of Montessori schools in elementary from K to eight. And so with that being said, we have a number of teachers that teach in that methodology already. So it's really the key of how do you, you know, work with a number of uh, competing, but competing priorities, but at the same time, people in the right mission to say, can we get to where innovation should be? And the best innovation, quite frankly, comes from our students because they'll just tell us, I don't like this class. I don't like this course. I'm not engaged. But everything that they tell us usually involves some level of someone in a professional environment doing that work. So instead of like back in the day where we were taught to do measuring, we got out a ruler and we measured things and we weren't told what the actual end result of measuring is. Well, you could go today to Vincent Egg High School and you're going to measure the lamb and make sure the lamb is actually growing at the pace it should be growing. So now there's your math class and there's a reason to actually understand how to use your ruler. But we didn't have that growing up. Man. We sure didn't. We didn't. That I would didn't. have helped a ton. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, would have helped the, the context behind the things that you do uh, helps so much in a clear understanding. I'm now in my 30s learning all that context stuff, uh, owning my first home and uh, being probably one of the worst people at measuring things a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I have constant issues with measuring the wrong length or width of a chair or something and then trying to find something that works with it and I'm like wow that didn't turn right turn out right at all I wonder why <laughs> oh because I measured it wrong oh Stupid man that's exactly like that. it right oh, the ballparking doesn't work <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> hey, hey hey Wendell uh I want to hit on something in a kind of a rapid fire uh, uh, kind of approach and just if you can give us the top one to three, um, you know, I, I think you touched on some things that are really uh, 
like um, visionary, so to speak. And I know that there are uh, there are schools in neighborhoods in the in the district that um, have some real just practical needs, and you know, like Adam just learning how to measure things, um, but <laughs> or not or not ever learning how to measure things. Right. But, but wanting what are, to. What are the quick hits, like one to three, just top most practical things needed right now? Uh, by these, by the, by the kids in these district, in the these um, different schools in these different neighborhoods. Yeah, so I'll just I'll very briefly walk you through kind of what happened in 2020. So you know, pandemic sets in. The number one need, and I, I said, you know, for us to give equity to students, it was actually food for parents. So we could still give food to students throughout the day. We didn't have money for parents to and adults to come. And ironically, Hunger Task Force and Feeding America were low on supplies. So we were able to get dollars in to help augment and provide meals to adults at our sites March through the end of the summer. So that was great. Then basic needs number two was some academic and household supplies. So, you know, there was a run on cleaning supplies. There was a run on hygiene. There was a run on just, you know, puzzles, games, board games, et cetera. We did a drive for that. We're aided by, you know, American Family and Chris Middleton of the Bucks helped us spur that piece along and get that done. And then we moved to the internet connectivity. So, mm -hmm. you know, everybody rightly said we moved online. We distributed 30,000 Chromebooks in March and April. Oh my and then, you know, it kind of came back. Uh, one of my board members, Tina Chang, is, is CEO <laughs> of SysLive. Yeah, said, no, no Yeah, She's like, you know, all of these... She's like, I'm getting calls off the hook. How are we going to solve this? And she's like, well, there's two things I know. I know Wendell and I know we can get this done. So we said we were launching a million dollar campaign to get Wi-Fi hotspots. We got a price point that was reasonable and we were able to raise a million dollars from roughly call it June 1 to August 15th before school started to get everybody that needs a hotspot, a hotspot. Just dropping some of the, the hotspots in Milwaukee and it got me thinking how long it's been since I've enjoyed some of my favorite spots in Milwaukee. Um, but I'm curious, what are some of your favorite spots in Milwaukee? So my ultimate in my family's it's, it's so number one, you have a family of five. So it is hard to please everybody. No yep. one's ever happy. The one place that has always made us happy for years has been Caitlin Cullen's tandem. Oh yeah. Tandem restaurant. Yes. Oh, tandem. So, yeah. Yeah. So anybody new to Milwaukee, I always bring them there. Uh, relatives, friends, uh, business colleagues. I'm like, this is the place you gotta go. I love being in that patio uh, back and having you know a great meal and a drink. Um, and I I really miss a lot of Milwaukee's patios. That was, I used to have a statement when I so years ago I worked for the uh, nonprofit lender Ways to Work. I always told my sites. I'm really not trying to travel in July and August. Those are the two best <laughs> months for weather in Milwaukee. And I intend to be on a patio most of those nights. So you unless go. you really need me, I'm not traveling. And of course, that's when they would say, we could really use your help. <laughs> so I'd be like, come on. Do you really, really need my help? Or can we do this one virtually with a call or a, you know, a video meeting or something? But From a patio too. That, yeah. yeah. Hey, Wendell, you... you you talked about a lot of really important um, opportunities for MPS and for our, the children, uh, kids, the students uh, in this community. 
and all the ways that you're working to drive these partnerships. But if people uh, want to get involved and connect with the foundation, uh, support it, what, what, what are the best ways for that to happen? Yeah, so I would say the, the best way is to just contact me directly. You know, my name, Wendell, W-E-N-D-E-L-L, at mpsfdn.org. We're going right to our website, which is mpsfdn.org. So, you know, getting there to us, to me, we, we can help you out uh, going to our website and checking out what we've got going on. Um, and then, you know, listening to things like this podcast. That's true. Ex- exactly. Yeah. Uh, Wendell, yes. thank you so much. This was this was truly enlightening and um, and hope we and get energizing. Some, yeah, energizing. Hope we get some people running over to the to the website. We'll include that in the show notes and uh, to support what's happening there. And uh, just thank you so much. Well, thank you guys. Even Adam, it was to be on Experience Milwaukee. We appreciate it. Adam, thank you as well. Yeah. Hey, I think I might stick around for another episode. We'll All see. right. Well. Until then, and now. Long pause for dramatic effect. <laughs> Milwaukee Zone, Black Belt Theater. <laughs> <laughs>